Welcome to the Expert Network Team Podcast. Where our goal is to inform and educate listeners on matters of finance, legal, insurance, and other interests that are of personal and business nature. We hope you enjoy the information contained in today's podcast and find it useful. We'd like to introduce your Expert Network Team of Professionals. I'm Carl Frank, owner and financial planner at a Wealth Management. I work with clients to help them grow and protect their investments and choose how they want to be taxed. I'm Jeff Cromendyke, a managing principal of One Digital Insurance. I work with individuals and businesses to help them understand their risk exposure and lead them to risk transfer solutions that best fit their needs. I'm Nathan Merrill, founder and attorney at Goodspeed Merrill, providing advanced tax strategy and private client legal services to affluent families and entrepreneurs. Together, our independent team combines our expertise to provide you insights and solutions, some straightforward, some profound, addressing real-life opportunities we see on a daily basis. If you'd like to learn more or desire to meet with any of the expert network team professionals in person, you can contact us at info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's I-N-F-O at expertnetworkteam.com. We encourage you to take advantage of a free consultation with any of our professionals. Just mention this podcast when you schedule your appointment. Without further delay, please enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm Nathan Merrill with Goodspeed Merrill, and I am here with uh, Carl Frank of AI Wealth Management. Hi, Nate. It's great to be here. It, uh, it's been a while for us. It's summertime. It, it was. We had a busy summer. Um, and I think uh, we're finally getting back in the swing of uh, of uh, doing these podcasts. I still want to be on vacation. Let's just be honest. Let's just cut to the right. Yeah, of course. Well, if you love what you do... And we do. You never work a day in your life. So I guess that would mean you're always on vacation. Always on vacation. Okay. Never really working. Well, these podcasts have been great. And we're going to continue it today with a really interesting conversation today. Yeah, we're kind of sticking with this. uh, We'll just call it the legacy legacy. um, uh, genre of discussion. We've had a number of podcasts that are kind of addressing a variety of issues or challenges or opportunities in the realm of legacy. The last one we talked about was dealing with uh, kind of the disruption that receipt of a legacy can cause in one's life. When you get a financial windfall, it can be both good and bad. Yeah. We, uh, we used to often refer to it as the lottery winner syndrome, you know, where a lottery winner receives sudden money, sudden money, and within three to five years, they find themselves in the back, back in the same spot. And that's often viewed as a problem of the recipient. Oh, yeah. But it really is a problem of not the recipient. The recipient was doing just fine, you could argue, before the money. It's how, how that money disrupts, right? So that's what we kind of talked that's about last time. It. it just changes everything. The, the, yeah, the yeah the makeup of that person's life and sure. how they might approach it. So uh, recognizing then the disruptive power, the disruptive power of a legacy, but yet the desire to want to have a legacy that yeah. you can contra- transmit from generation to generation. Do. Most sure. people do. Absolutely. Um, there are some dysfunctional families out there who will say, "I don't." And you know, in the case of Warren Buffett, he has 
publicly acknowledged he doesn't want to leave his wealth to his he children. He doesn't want to ruin them. Right. Right enough to give them whatever they need. Which might be an extreme, but he's at it least is. acknowledging the impact of what we talked about last week. Oh, most definitely. Which is that disruptive. If you left, if he had four children and he has $250 billion, that's right. a lot of billions of it dollars. You do the math. It's I, insane. It's so insane after well, tax, it's a whole lot less, but... And, and that brings up the point of a previous podcast, too, where we talked about families. We talked about a family of affinity and then the biological family and what's most important to you. They could be different people, right? Just right. because you're biologically related doesn't necessarily mean that's the person who should uh, inherit this amount of money. Right. And sometimes the family of affinity is more important and more impactful. Yep. So we've established that we love these people. We want to benefit them. We acknowledge that by passing on our wealth, our financial assets to them, our quantitative legacy, um, it can be impactful, potentially harmful if it's not done the right way. So then the question becomes um, how to approach or treat or involve our target family of affinity beneficiaries to prepare them, to ready them, to have them involved in defining what their contribution to the legacy is going to be. Because I think through all of our conversations, we've established that the quantitative part, the financial assets, are simply a medium of exchange by which one continues to contribute to the family legacy. Right. doesn't mean they have to make more money. Doesn't Presumably, they don't squander it. That There's, there's Hopefully. some, I guess, assumption there. But, that would be out of alignment with the rest of the legacy. But, yeah. So now let's discuss, if we don't want it to be disruptive in a harmful way, how do we engage the legacy generation? How do we prepare them? So I'm ready. That's a good question. Do you have the answer? (laughs) Yeah, check the box and take a class. And, you know, we're going to have one of these days a guest speaker who does have a box, who does have a check, who who has a program, a class, a whole series of things that they do to help prepare prepare people. And that's a great way to go. And those are some really good, powerful ideas in there. But for every family, I think, um, you know, in a previous podcast, we talked about the importance of conversation, but having the money conversation and how to do that, you know, is, a, is an important thing for every family to figure out. You don't want to disrupt somebody and just get them right on board. So at, at some point, if everybody stays healthy enough, you know, that the children will be grownups. Right. They'll right. be of the age of majority where they are making their own financial decisions. And and so that's a pretty clear line in the sand. Right. Either you're already making the, the inheritors, the beneficiaries are already making financial decisions for themselves or they're not. And once they are, then you can you can really gauge as the as the person who's going to be granting these these assets to them at a future date about whether they're ready to make these decisions in in the in the for themselves or not. Prior to that, there's all sorts of a of a different set of conversation, right? So you've got a different set of conversation for the kids or the ones who are not making financial decisions, and then you do the ones who already are. Right. Well. I, I kind of just had an epiphany listening to you, but also looking at your window here, Carl. And I think this is kind of a relevant analogy. I'm looking at, I think it's the 17th green nice. or whatever. Yeah. There's yeah, a young kid great. who's golfing with his dad, maybe his dad and mom. Yeah, there you go. And uh, at what stage of that person's development do you, you know, say he wants to become a professional golfer? Mm-hmm. 
when do you introduce him to golf if he wants to become a professional golfer? Do you wait till he's 18, 19, 20? A little late. Exactly. And so I think the same concept or the same idea applies to if we want someone to be a good inheritor of wealth. I like that. When do we start to introduce them to the principles and concepts that will prepare them to be a good inheritor of wealth? I like that. Um, if you want your child to be a, let's just use a very esoteric, good person, do you wait till they're in their middle teens before you start saying, here's the things you need to do to become a good person? Or right. do you start immediately during the terrible twos, supposedly, to help them to understand <laughs> that would be good. principles of kindness mm -hmm. and generosity and, you know. Yeah. So let's talk about what you talk about with kids at a very young age, right? So that before that line of the sand, I mean, I think you're really onto something. It's ideal to get them early. Right. It's, like it's essential. I would argue it's essential. If you wait too long to begin and, and to identify, again, we're talking about legacy beyond quantitative assets, yeah. financial yeah. assets. You obviously don't prepare your two year old to know no. what a checkbook is and no. a bank account, how to invest. That's for the later stage of development. Sure. But that's where most people will start. Probably is that later stage of development. They'll they'll not connect the readiness of their heir at the early ages in, in terms of their, their values well, and their morals and their ethics. Yeah. In terms of how that prepares them to be a good financial steward or recipient. There'll always be exceptions. I mean, playing devil's advocate. You mm -hmm. might not have money until your kids are over grown up age. Right. Right? You might not have built this wealth until then, or maybe things changed and, you know, uh, you know, you won the lottery or you, um, <laughs> quit your engineering job and found Kentucky fried chicken when you're in, you know, in your sixties. Right. right. Which is a you know, real life thing that Disney as well. Uh, uh, weird things happen. Right. Right. Well, and that's the, so there's always exceptions to that rule. But, well, the, and I think the principal exception being you don't wait until you have the wealth to transfer, yes, to prepare your children, right. to be, to be ready, to be good ready. stewards. It almost gets yeah. back to too much emphasis not, don't get me wrong on this. Financial education is important and essential. And we have, I would argue, a very substantial deficiency in the rising generation when it comes to yeah. financial education. Mm -hmm. But but that is a later stage part of the development. More important is where you start early on to helping them to, like I say, have good values, morals, and ethics that support the, re, you know, the, the that almost gives them the why behind they want to be good financial stewards. If they if they have poor ethics and poor morals and poor values, it, then all the financial education in the world isn't going to make them. It. Yeah, it's not going to make them not yeah. want to go on spending yeah. sprees, it's right? Tough, or yeah, well, and you can and, and you know, I mean, lawyers can account for that, right? So you've got a spendthrift kid, you could drop drop spendthrift trusts and things to help you know, protect them from themselves. But the, the goal, of course, would be to get that education on on early. Right. Well, and the goal, as we laid it out in this conversation, is to not have to pull back from your beneficiaries, yes. not to have to restrict their access right. to the assets. It's how do we get our beneficiaries, our family of right. affinity, mm -hmm. ready to receive them, and by receiving them, begin their own contribution to the family legacy. And one of the things, I mean, maybe make it, maybe we can make it, make it real. One of the things I was doing right before you came in, I was sitting in our, you know, really comfy chair, you teased me as you came in and I was reading a book. It was basically a biography, 
right, by by uh, a friend of yours about his family and and uh, and the the founders of the wealth in that family. And it's a it's a wonderful little gift, right? I don't know these people. I've never met them before, but I sure feel like I do. And and so if I were one of the kids who who read this book and that were one of my um, ancestors, I'd feel much closer to them than I would be otherwise. So there's a tangible thing that can actually be done by people today alive. They can, and this guy hired a ghostwriter. You could hire a ghostwriter. You could write it yourself, or at least start to record the stories that mean the most to you, mm -hmm. right? And in in this particular book, they started with well their childhood and and the memories of their parents and and some of the values they learned very early on. Clearly, that's going to be a continuing message throughout the book. It's going to be it's the values that matter. That's the legacy. It's the it's the way we treat each other. It's the those are the things that that we want to persist that we want to um uh continue in our family that's the that's the goal right and that's pretty i mean that's a pretty tangible thing you could do well absolutely and you're probably prompting me to think of what our next podcast is going to be on and that is the value perhaps placing a value on the intangible assets of a family like yes um and and literally maybe putting even a dollar next to those those assets and i'll i'll use an example um i inherited a set of cufflinks oh, from my grandfather yeah i i got i won't get into the family dynamic or anything it's, and i was i got everything i would have ever wanted from yeah. my grandfather in terms of the legacy but i got his cufflinks and i got his uh it's actually, I think my technically my grandma's desk, Neat. office desk. Um, those have stories behind them. Oh. So the assets have value. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that the cufflinks per se are like this extraordinarily valuable collection of cufflinks. Yeah, Some of them he actually sense. manufactured himself in his own rock wow. tumbler and, <laughs> and cool. that sort of thing. Those so, but, and and that's my point is these assets, I will use in transmitting the legacy and the memory of my grandfather. When I pass them down to my children, I won't be passing down necessarily just cufflinks. I will be passing down his story with them. And the story will enhance right. the value of those cufflinks. Yes, it'll be, the, it'll be the symbol of the story. Yeah. Yes. And that's why I say, if I was to go back and say, what are these cufflinks worth to me? Uh -oh. They'd be one of my most valuable assets, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. And, and... So whether it's cufflinks for me or or just even a, a, a story, like you say, a book, you write a book about. Incredible. And you pass that along. How valuable does that book start to Priceless become for the family. a generation or two yeah. from now when Priceless. it's all they have regarding your. The story. Your experience, your right. life experience, the legacy you intended to pass along. Put, I would encourage folks if they if this is touching you, if this is speaking to you. Go through this exercise and put dollar values, like how much is it worth to you? If you lost this thing that you have in your home, what this picture, this jewelry, this whatever it is, forget the actual value of it. Right. If you lost it, how what much, would what would that mean to what you? Would you give up and start to value your lives right. differently. Yeah. Would you trade a Mercedes for those cufflinks? Uh, heck no. <laughs> It was a, a visceral reaction there, I, and I love Mercedes, but you couldn't, right. you could not, they're, 
darn near priceless yeah, to me. Right. But if I was to put a, a value to them, I would say they're in the millions. But yeah. but any other person without the wouldn't have that value. But I would hope that I would be able to transmit that value to my children so that when they receive them, it is priceless to them as well. Not because, again, of the cufflink, but because of what it represents in terms of the family legacy. I love stories like that. Yeah. And you hear it about jewelry. You hear it about, and the cufflinks are great because in and of themselves are not that valuable, but... Or, or, you know, you could look at a diamond. And put it but, uh, yeah. That's why I say I would encourage everybody to look at your lives, look at your own family situation. What types of things mm-hmm. are you not putting the proper value to? Are you not emphasizing enough that if you were to lose them as a family legacy, as an asset that you could right. not pass down, how much have you lost? And then start treating them with that degree of value one 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 practical thing that that made me think of too and 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 the stories that you attach to that to those cufflinks to those tangible items are stories you heard and stories that you know are and experienced and, right and you and and so one thing we can do and, and maybe if our, our children are already adults and, and as we look at grandchildren and other things we can share the stories with the grandchildren and in that way impart the values to the children, right? You can almost skip a generation with a story like that because you've still got the magic over the people while they're young, right? And, and when the, so a practical thing to do is just go ahead and do that, right? Just make it real, make the magic happen for the grandchildren, watch the children, hear the stories again, and then, and then realize the power in their own lives to reiterate those stories. Cause there's a lot of practical value in having, um, you know, and having the old guy around. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you, you just hit me on a, like, I'm getting all these kind of chills up and down my back because you just hit on another very interesting historical, um, where, where I would say the American mindset or the, the colonial mindset, whatever we are. I don't even know what we are as Americans because we all have kind of these different ethnic origins and backgrounds yeah, we are not one is. thing which is what makes us so amazing as a country mm-hmm. is we're not germans right we are germans and irish and scottish and everything else. everything African else. and everything asian native americans however yes. I, I have some clients who are native americans and i've done some of my own research and study jay hughes actually focuses a lot on native americans in his book but they're interesting because their history was entirely oral they passed down these stories from generation to generation in an oral tradition that and i don't think as modern americans we're really great at the storytelling we need to i think i think that if we were to uh develop that skill in our families yes um a lot would be gained a lot of benefit would be derived from being able to to tell, tell the, the story. Yeah. And one of the things Jay Hughes talks about in his books is tell the good stories, tell the bad stories, tell the successes, tell the failures, mm-hmm. but learn how to tell the stories. And, and obviously I, I like the idea of recording them and writing too, but uh, pictures, audio, if yes. you can record audio of someone's so voice, yeah. huge. I mean, when you think you go back to the early 1900s and when recordings first started coming into being and you hear the voice for you and me, of a grandparent or how a great grandparent, yeah, you have now a different type of connection or relationship to that person. It's so much more powerful. So, so, and these things, like I say, when we think about their balance sheet value in our ledger book, mm-hmm. we don't think of them as items of value. But when we think of them as balance sheet assets in our legacy, yes, 
we begin to realize we have a lot of wealth to pass on, a lot of family legacy, a lot of intangible assets that need to be preserved and we need to find a way because those are the things that will help, I think, prepare our heirs to be better heirs. If they understand where they came from, if they understand their origins, if they understand the sacrifices and the pains and sorrows of their forebears who brought even their parents for crying out loud. Yes. They will look at that leg of that asset, the financial assets, they'll look at those perhaps a little differently, or at least it should, if it's conveyed in a way that is powerful, it will have an impact on them. It sure does. So it can be a component of that preparation. It can be so helpful as you, as you look forward and you, and you, you think to yourself, well, what, what, what value do I want to impart on the world? What difference do I want to make? Now I've inherited this money or whatever it is I've got, or I built something. Right. And, and you look back at your own family and you say, well, what was important to them? How true does that ring for me? That right. can be immensely valuable for them. They could turn that wealth into something much more impactful with just a little bit of stories, even if dad loved Mercedes and you love, I mean, a stupid example, something, whatever it is, right? (laughs) Yeah. Whatever it is, right. Whatever it is, then it doesn't matter, but you get that voice and you say, Oh, okay. So that was him. But uh, my voice is a little bit different. It's very similar. Or, or maybe you just say, wow, that's exactly the way I feel. I still share the same exact values. What we want is our children to be successful and our grandchildren to be successful with the best person they can become. Right. Right. And then, and then when they, kind of inverting the argument when they are the person um, who is it who talks about it this way uh, Jim Rohn uh, one of those guru guys um, talks about to be a to become successful you have to be a successful person mm. and I think and the same thing is true of an heir to be a, an, a ready and capable heir yeah you don't get the money first, you become the person become. first, and then the money yes. will amplify yeah. your it readiness. It exaggerates who you are. Yeah, the money exaggerates the good and the bad. It amplifies it, like you say. Yeah, it puts it on the loudspeaker. Yeah, hopefully you're ready. Hopefully you're ready. You probably are. You probably are. Especially with the parents and the grandparents preparing you with a few of the practical things we, we talked about here today. This is Well, and... and just to as a closing thought, which I'm fine with, is kind of viewing it in the known, going back to that family of affinity. Grandparents usually know, parents you know, child is obviously yeah. kind of the, the target of our conversation. But if through the parents and grandparents, that child can develop a relationship with great grandparents that it never knew great, great grandparents that it never knew and and view themselves in the context, you know, Jay Hughes kind of vacillates back and forth on this, thinking in terms of five generations. And sometimes he says, let's think seven generationally. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit harder because, I mean, that takes, for you and I, that would take Stay us really back healthy. to the uh, early 1700s, probably, eight, maybe 1600s even. It's hard to know your story back that far, but we can certainly project ourselves forward and say, I want my seventh generation seventh generation so to know about us of this about yeah and and take the steps now to preserve that and make it possible deep thoughts deep thoughts very powerful and and it absolutely will be the intangibles that last and that's the culture that the native american population has embedded in like they know right. history yeah. back 
probably a thousand years. Right. Um, It may not always be perfectly accurate, but then again, we never accuse them of having the same view of history that the Anglo-Saxons developed in the medieval times, right? We don't have to project our culture on everybody else, but for them, it was impactful, meaningful. The stories mattered and they still pass them down generation to generation. For those that are still in those communities, they have maintained that. Even amid all the technological revolution, the industrial revolution, they still have their oral traditions and rituals and dances and songs. And we can learn a lot from that population. You can learn a lot from all sorts of indigenous populations all around the world who carry on values that way Mm -hmm. and live with very little and are incredibly successful people. Yep. Well, Nate, this was so much fun. This was a great uh, podcast, uh, very practical ideas uh, smooshed in the middle of it. A lot of things for people to think about as we um, prepare the next generation or next generations to be good inheritors of wealth. Absolutely. Thanks for taking the time with me today. Create a beautiful day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed the discussion and the information we shared. We hope you enjoy the information contained in today's podcast and find it useful. We hope you'll join us again next time as we explore new areas of interest to our listeners or current issues we believe are important to discuss. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe so you are notified when future episodes are released and also share it with a friend that you think would benefit. If you'd like to meet with a member of the Expert Network team, or have a request for a special topic you'd like to have us discuss on the podcast, submit those requests to info at expertnetworkteam.com. That's I-N-F-O at expertnetworkteam.com. Thank you for joining us and have a great day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We want to remind you that listening to this podcast does not establish a client professional relationship with any of the professional firms represented, including guests nor does it constitute legal, investment, accounting, or other advice of a fiduciary nature. The views expressed are those of the professionals only. Investment advisor services may be provided through a Wealth Management. Securities may be provided through Genios Wealth Management.